welcome to National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And today's special bonus episode of our show is one for the books. For the books, for the ages, for the televisions, for life. For life. And you know what, Emily? Don't tell anyone. Just secret between you and me. This might be my favorite episode to date. It is definitely up there for me, I have to say. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to talk about this. Okay, can we? let's just get the social media out of the way. Yes, so for more content like what you will be hearing today, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. We are also available for your listening ears on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods. You can find information about us, our tour, and various links to all of the things I just mentioned at our website, nthuntpodcast.com. And if you have not already, please take this opportunity to pre-order our book, National Treasure Hunt, One Step Short of Crazy, at tuckerdspress.com. Now, if you're listening in the car, please pull over before you do that, but but do make sure you do it soon. <laughs> we thank you for your support. And speaking of support, I feel like we have to start with a little story about how today's episode came to be, mm-hmm. be- because... For a while now, we have been getting quite a bit of support from the one and only Marianne Wibberly, who we have been connected with over on Instagram in the DMs for quite some time. Um, She has been following everything going on with National Treasure Hunt, um, and we've really appreciated getting to know her and getting to chat with her over on social media. And then she and her husband, Cormac, started working on National Treasure Edge of History. And we were like, oh my gosh, we'd love to talk to you about this new National Treasure Project. And so here we are today. National Treasure Hunt bonus episode right here, right now, is an entire conversation with Marianne and Cormac Wiberly affectionately known in Hollywood as the Wibberleys, who you might recognize as the screenwriters of National Treasure and, of course, more recently, executive producers slash showrunners on National Treasure Edge of History, which, if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably tracking that new show very closely, and its premiere is now streaming on Disney+. And with that in mind, we do have to issue... A word of warning, if you will, Emily? Well, a light warning, not not a huge deal. Yeah, that's a good point. This episode will contain spoilers regarding the two-episode premiere of Edge of History. Now, speaking of that premiere, Emily, you and I had the distinct honor and privilege to be able to watch the premiere early. We did. We got some nice little little screeners, which uh, really helped us prepare for this interview that you're all about to listen to. Absolutely. Um, and my gosh, when our jaws hit the floor at a few different points during that premiere, we knew we had to ask questions about those moments when we had the opportunity to chat with the Wibberleys. So let's just get this show on the road and quickly 
keys, one or two elements that y'all are going to learn from this incredible conversation. Um, and you'll be happy to know that this conversation is going to be a fair mix of National Treasure, the movies, and National Treasure, Edge of History, the new show. So, for example, you're going to learn what the character Ben Gates's name originally was. On the topic of the show, you're going to learn how experts were actually used very heavily in the development of the show's script. And you're even going to hear about how the Wibberley's personal family histories sort of contributed to the inspiration for the show itself. And we can't wait to share all of that with you and more. So I don't know, Em, should we just dive right in? Yep, go ahead and hit that pause button. Watch those episodes on Disney Plus if you haven't. Otherwise, let's roll on through. All right. Please join us in welcoming the Wibberleys to National Treasure Hunt. Welcome, Marianne and Cormac, to National Treasure Hunt. I am so unbelievably excited to have both of you on the podcast today. I feel like this has been such a long time coming. So thank you for joining us. We're so excited to be here. (laughs) I know, you know, you've been so supportive of our endeavors over on social media. So thank you for that. Um, And thank you for taking the time. So before we dive into the specifics, um, we'd love to allow our listeners to get to know you just a little bit better. And I'm wondering if you could maybe tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you came to be screenwriters and executive producers in Hollywood. Uh, I blame Marianne. (laughs) <laughs> it is my fault um because Cormac's dad is Leonard Wibberley the author of the mouse that roared and a hundred other books oh. and so his father told his children never become a writer um it's a blank mm-hmm. profession don't do it um and I just I went to film school at UCLA we were both going to UCLA and um he was studying econ and I was studying math um, and I just decided on a lark to go to um, take a couple screenwriting classes as electives, and I just kind of fell in love with it. But he um, he was working as an executive at ABC, and we I just said, hey, you got to start writing with you. He was always giving me notes on scripts, but um, I was in film school by then, and then um, he uh, I left math, went into graduate school to do that, and then he, he was an executive and I said, you got to help me. Cause he's, he was constantly giving me really good notes and also giving me really good jokes. And he was co- practically, sorry, don't tell that to the UCLA people who gave me my degree, no, but he, he helped so much on all the scripts. And so he was like, well, might as well just write together. And so we did, we wrote a couple specs didn't sell. And then finally we sold one and that was that. And we were, we saw, we, we, we sold our second spec to Jim Kalp. Oh, at Disney. small world. And so you can see where this is going when like seven years later uh they hand us this national treasure script and we said um wait jim calf wrote on this can we read his draft because we are huge fans of his writing and so we read his draft and we and we went oh that's the tone of the movie we love this and uh it had been rewritten it it went full circle it went full circle with you know yeah yeah there was lots of drafts like there was it would had been in the development for seven years by the time we came on. So and we had done other things for Jerry. Um, and then they were like, Do you want to do this movie? And then that, Cormac will tell you that our agents were like, Don't do it. It's been in development for too long. Our agents at the time. Different sure. 
and and uh nobody and, knows anything so yeah, like, yeah, yeah we were yeah. Like, but we're like it's john troll's um that's we're each favorite guy john, it's... we love his movies so we looked at it and then and then like Cormac saying he saw Jim Ka- uh, in, in features there's like everybody's name is on the cover and it's very confusing who did what and in seven years of development there were lots of names on the cover and so Cormac saw Jim Kauf's name and he went oh can we see his version of this movie and we went sort of went back to that version and started there and that's where um how how the tone really became it's john and jim cow it's yeah it's, it's very, very very much john and, very, and of course we're huge fans of all the brock and jo- yeah of course so and Jerry. I mean, so when we came on you know it would be like his, his name wasn't ben gates it was something else but anyways it was tyler it was Tyler. Anyways, no! he had uh he would he went think. to the is it the smithsonian and he went out on a date with with abigail. who turns out to be abigail and he sort of smoothes her and gets in and, you know, steals her key or whatnot. So Marianne and I went, well, that's not how we. We're getting into, we, yeah. So we, so we went back and we went, okay, well, he's going to be a fan of history. She's going to be a fan of history. He's, he's not going to be a guy that like goes out on a date and uses her. He's going to be a guy that uses history in order to get into. So we did, we did the gala and we did all that sort of stuff. And we. We're getting into the development. I know that's another question. Oh, is that another question? Yeah, that you guys are going to have, but that, that's exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly what we did is we took the tone and made it more about this guy that was more, um, sometimes we get accused of being old fashioned. And I, I think that's the charm of the movie though, is that Ben Gates is, is old fashioned and he wouldn't use a woman to yeah. get something that he wanted. And he does believe in the tenets of, you know, our country and all of those things and so it, like if that sort of resonated um we didn't mean for it to we didn't you know expect it to and one of the things and one of the things that you know jerry would say and he's absolutely right is you never go on a treasure hunt to get rich and so marianne and i were like okay well why is he going to go on this treasure? so we had to make it so that it was about his family and and the fact that his family was thought to be crazy and it had divided his family which sort of made us go okay he's going to make them whole by finding the treasure. It's not about him finding money. So those are the things that we kind of came in and said, well, I, you know, here's what we can do. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we brought, I think there's again, go back to many people make a movie. It's such a collaborative process. It's uh, Carmack and I always call ourselves the curators of the franchise because we didn't create everything in it. The, the idea was somebody else's this is an amazing idea by R and B and Charles Seeger. And, but, but the other thing that we brought to it and um, was that originally the Declaration of Independence was stolen and destroyed and in the process of the treasure hunt. And then at the end, they find the real Declaration of, of Independence in the treasure chamber. Well, we, we, we changed it to Ben Gates steals the Declaration because he's trying to protect it. Mm-hmm. Like that was, it wasn't that he stole it so he could get the treasure. We also brought Templar treasure to the story that wasn't in the original scripts. Really? Yeah. What was it? It was some sort of. A, <laughs> it, it was. It might have been gold, Confederate gold, or something of that nature. Um, but you're, you know, those dendrites are dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it was some kind of gold. It was some kind of Revolutionary War gold and cachet. You know, we're we're still using some stuff that. Uh, that we saw in, in Jim Calf's draft or in, in previous drafts in the in the series. There is some there are some smart things, but you know, 
I don't, I, it, there was so much, like Marianne's saying, it, there are so many writers and, and you, you get it, John Turtletop, it, it is very much a John Turtletop movie when you watch it. The touches, the when, touches. When we, when we watched John Turtletop movies before we did this, we were like, oh, why you were sleeping and uh, Phenomenon and, and the kid. Well, yeah, it's so like much, a- it's so much heart. He, and that's not easy to do. And you're in, in features, your movie is only as good as your director. And, and he's just, he brings so much heart. That's amazing. Well, there's so much we could dive into just based on everything you just shared. I feel like we already learned so much, which is amazing. (laughs) Sometimes we're like, is there more to know about National Treasure? I feel like we've been talking about this for two and a half years now, but turns out there's always always more to know. Um, And, you know, we, we were curious to hear a little bit more about, you know, the stage at which you joined the initial movies and major plot points or adjustments that you were responsible for. Um, and so you've already started diving into that a little bit, but if there are any particularly memorable scenes or lines um, or things in the movies that um, that you could tell us about that you're responsible for, we'd love to hear about it. Um, well, we were like, okay, we have to go. We looked at, we were like, what are we responsible for? And we're responsible for a lot, you know, lots of things, but, um, but there are things that we love that we aren't responsible for, but we are particularly, because we always envisioned Nick Cage, always, always like when we first started writing it, um, it was like, it's gotta be Nick Cage. He's our favorite. I, you know um what's the movie where they honeymoon in vegas yeah honeymoon in vegas it's like he does the crazy so well and also what's the other one that we love the coen brothers movie uh, raising, raising arizona. arizona um oh. so we were always thinking of this kind of quirky history dude and um so the 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 when he does the speech about you know the founding father would have been quartered and drawn you know hard and, and their and their entrails burned the way he does the way he does it is even better like than we imagined it it's one of our favorite lines and Charles cut out and burned it's it's really weird when we go around and say it to each other in public because we get some looks but (laughs) that's that's so funny yeah so yeah that was one of them and then the other one that we liked that was I think it might have been um a Ted and Terry I don't know because uh I can't remember but it was um the line about people um the, he says something to the president about you're an honorable person. It's a position that's honorable, all that. And then, and then the president goes, "Oh, Gates, people don't believe that anymore." And he says, "No, but they want to believe it." And it's such a good line. It means so much today. Even you know, people do want to believe that the position of president, you know, means that, and wor- your word means something, and all that. So that still resonates with us as well. Well, um, I think as Aubrey uh, kind of mentioned, uh, you're the first kind of screenwriters that we've actually interviewed on National Treasure Hunt. Um, and we've we've been talking a little bit about kind of what you added before filming started, but I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how you were involved in the production kind of once the filming itself started. Well, in, in movies, it's a little different than in TV because you the director does everything in movies. They, the writers they, pretty much the, done. Writers are pretty much the writers don't get to decide who is cast in the movie, what they wear in the movie, what the set looks like. All that stuff's done by the director. So the only thing you're doing if you're writing, and we were if we were more on the second movie, you're sitting in in a trailer, just 
you know, fussing with scenes and then running the pages to the to the actors. So you're not really that involved. In TV, you're involved in everything. Uh, they ask you, can they wear these shoes? Can they do this? Can they do that? So that's it's much different for writers in TV. So for the first movie, when they went to go shoot it at that time, Marianne and I were afraid of flying because if you think <laughs> if you think of the stats, there's no reason for it. So we didn't want to fly. So they uh, they took um, Ted and Terry went on the set. But we did get to see our favorite locations were the sets. Yeah, because we, we did get to see the National Archives. At the, Disney at the studio. like they rebuilt it um for the filming and that was really that was fun um, all the sets that they built here in hollywood that's right we went to the there was the archives and there was the cave and oh and then in the stage for the voice that's where uh the, city of gold the city of gold is so no you, way oh, that stage was completely was so the city of gold the city of gold so yeah we, we were there um that was the second one yeah um Anyway. But I want to say the underground, the uh, George Washington, under George, under Mount Vernon maze, that was at the Disney That was lot. the Disney studio. And they were actually doing something with pirates at the same time as so we got to go visit the pirates. Yeah, we went into the, <laughs> that was the, the pirates that were they, where they, you know, cut them and do the blood and whatnot. And we're like, eh, this isn't as good as the National Trip knowledge. It always looks so underwhelming <laughs> when you see it in person. It like yeah. doesn't look as cool as it does oh my gosh that's so interesting (laughs) wow that's awesome this is as Aubrey said I'll reiterate again this is just amazing (laughs) so far we're learning so much um it's very nice to be asked we don't ever get these questions (laughs) you look at it so when you're looking at those sets every one of those sets they have to run John Turtletop is like yes no yes no do this put that here the director's doing all of that in TV. They're running That's it by us. Marianne and me. Can we? Cool. Can we do this? Can we do that? Is this? Does this look like a good study? You know that sort of thing. It's a lot. It's and a lot. then we. So we realized how how hard John works <laughs> by having to do. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Um. So as you probably well know by now, uh, we've studied the national treasure films for quite some time um and we've concluded that the characters are a really big part of the enduring popularity and societal relevance of the story so uh we were wondering in your opinion what qualities do you think have made people like ben abigail and riley kind of resonate so deeply with viewers um, first of all, we didn't know they would, but I think looking back now, I feel like it is, it is a, the old fashioned quality, people still believing in, um, how our country was founded and by whom and what the people who did went through and, um, and just being like nerds, like just being history nerds and three, you know, and, and, you know, it's like, usually that's the sidekick, mm-hmm. right? The nerd is the sidekick. True the person on the computer well that is you know riley gets to do that but um but yeah but i mean and we just got lucky i mean you get nick cage and justin barth is great it's like we were sitting on the 
said, I remember on the second one, we were just like Academy nominated John Boyd, Academy nominated Helen Mirren, Academy nominated Academy nominated Christopher Plummer. I'm like, oh my God, how many how many great actors did we get, and how did we get them all? So we were very fortunate, and and we were fortunate in the seat in this in the series because, as it turns out, we were just these guys are that. Harvey agreed to come back. Harvey agreed amazing. to come back. Justin, Justin comes in, came and, in for a whole episode. And then our whole new cast is so talented uh, that we were. It is kind of fun this. working with a bunch of unknowns, though. Like they were, mm-hmm. like it is fun. Like I, they're also, uh, you know, they're so, and they're such good people, too. Yeah. Anyway, so, well, we're skipping ahead, but. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. But that's the resonate the re- asked the resonating the characters. I don't know. That just felt like, for me, that's what it was. It's just like they just. They're just good old fashioned, good, you know, people, you know, good stock. Like, yeah, it's really fascinating to hear you say that in this conversation, because we have had the opportunity to talk to Charles Seegers and Oren Aviv, and they independently have said very similar things about the old fashioned sort of nature of the development, like the the characters themselves and the feel of the movies. But when they, they specifically say old fashioned in the positive sense of the word. (laughs) <laughs> because it's it it really i i think personally uh the the structure the story the characters and their their emotions their experiences um it it really really lends to something that is really stood the test of time for the record of ben abigail and riley kind of who who's your favorite character of the three because there's there's some debate on our podcast about who our favorite character is oh my gosh it's so hard because they all bring a different I, I guess I have to say I have to say Abigail because because I just I just you know want to be her I just want to work in That's the fair. national archives and I feel and, that <laughs> yeah but uh, you know but again we love uh Ben Gate we love Nick Cage everything we need everything and and and, and Justin is so funny and he has said so I don't know like now I'm, you, know, <laughs> you, can't, you can't pick your child what do you guys hear who wins in the in the polls that you guys take it's always either Ben or Riley um, and pretty predictably, if you look at the audience, it's one or the other. Um, and even between us, I'm the Ben, Emily's the Riley, you know, it's, <laughs> everyone re- really relates or resonates with, with one versus the other, but with the acknowledgement that the story doesn't work without all of them together, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, that was fun. I like that question, Em. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, we, we could totally talk to you about the movies for forever. And, you know, maybe on another opportunity in the future, we can we can chat about it even more. But we do want to take this opportunity to talk about your latest National Treasure themed project, Edge of History. Um, as you probably know, some diehard fans of the movies are wondering how the series are is really going to achieve the feeling of national treasure while featuring this predominantly new cast. So in your opinion, and based on your work developing the series, what makes this feel like the national treasure we know and love? Well, first of all, I mean, we want to bring, look, we want to bring, it's the universe, right? So that's why it's like Ben Gates, it's, it doesn't appear in the show. Sorry, spoiler alert. 
the people who don't believe it, it's true. He's not coming for our first season. <laughs> Hopefully we get him season two. Um, it, he figures, you know, he's a rock star in our universe. Like everybody knows Ben Gates discovered the two treasures and Riley is a rock star too. Um, he's written a series of books, as you guys know, you guys got the, a copy of one of them, I think. Um, and, um, but we always wanted to do, uh, you know, she, Jess, Jess is, is, is him, is Ben Gates. She's the, she's the nerd. She's a nerd. She loves puzzles. Um, and, and she, um, but the biggest difference is she can't, she's, you know, she's not, Do how do you call it? So I'm sorry. She's oh. DACA. So she can't commit mm -hmm. a crime w without being deported. She can't jaywalk without being, you know, maybe possibly arrested. I mean, the people are being still held for jaywalking in New York before the pandemic. Um, like you can't, so we thought that extra danger, but, but in general, the show, go ahead, Cormac, is it's, it's a, I, Marianne and I would just be sitting on the set, just going, well, it's national treasure and people like national treasure. They'll like the show because it's justified it's just, thievery. It's just all the same. It's all the same stuff. And it, like I said, at the time, we didn't know if there was a big fan base, you know, we hear people would say so. So I, I you know, if you tune in, <laughs> You're, it's going to be national treasure. It's it's the same tone. We hope, like that's what we strive for. We strive for the we strive for justified thievery more than once because it's a show. There's ten episodes, so you have to have capers that are like the you know what they did at um, National Archives, but you have to spread it. You have to have more, and you have to have landmarks. Like we still say, Warren Abib came to us on National Treasure Two before we started writing it, and all he said was, "I need." the Eiffel Tower, Mount Rushmore, Big ben. and Big Ben, and one other thing on the poster, go. Uh, go. And so we had to build a story around, around all, the, all those things. Love that. Yeah, and so that's what we did in the show. We said, what, on a lesser, much lesser budget, <laughs> what, TV doesn't have the budget, um, what landmarks, what historical places can we go to um, and and so we deliver so that that's another national treasure element is is you know clues in plain sight mm -hmm. uh, landmarks historic stuff about historical people that you didn't think you didn't know maybe like it, people didn't know Ben Franklin it, I didn't know he invented the bifocals um, so we learned that you know and so we wanted we did that, we do that in this show we want to do it we call it edutainment educational oh, yeah. entertainment and so we try to do that we try to bring to light historical things and or people that maybe people don't know about so we, we kind of covered the founding fathers in the first two movies so we kind of we tried to expand that in the show so we do deliver those elements yeah it's not been it's not nick cage <laughs> well we're really excited to be able to do all the deep dives we've done with the movies now on the series because one of our favorite things to do i mean personally i i it's like national treasures like i think it's my own movie i take such offense when people are like oh this is all ridiculous it's making everything up and it's like actually do your homework like there's so much based in reality here of course there's fabricated elements it's movies it's television you know of course there's fabricated elements but the amount that is incorporated that is based in reality it's i think stunning to people when they actually realize it so anyway that's just my little no that's that i'm so glad you feel protective of it <laughs> yeah we we heard our executive producer christiane reed said her son watched the first movie 
and he immediately went to go find a hundred dollar bill to see if if the clock you know was pointing to the place that you know yeah and those are the best stories right like that's got to feel so good yeah i mean imagine how excited we were when we realized that the resolute desk there was another one in buckingham palace like we had to discover these things and the boulier and all the eiffel tower stuff and the and the designer of Mount Rushmore, it's like, okay, we have to make connections that people are going to go, oh, wow. Oh, sorry, yeah, edit <laughs> that out. <laughs> Emily does this fun thing where she uses Ben Gates screaming haggis if one of us curses in the episode. That's really funny. It's very fun. <laughs> I try. Um, so kind of jumping back to, you know, the, the series itself, um, in, in the second episode, uh, we... Aubrey and I, at least, noticed a subtle reference to Ben Gates stealing the Declaration of Independence. Um, So kind of along those lines, and and you've touched on it a little bit, but what was your strategy for kind of paying homage to the franchise's original characters? Well, I mean, Sadusky is the guy that was arresting him, so he was the main character to launch our series. And do you want to say more about it i know i don't know how much we're allowed to say but we wanted to um we that that character and what he did and all that play plays really big into the whole season so even though are we allowed to say it's just dropped it's dropped in there but But you're gonna get you're gonna get more answers as to what was going on when ben gates was stealing the declaration of independence at the fbi so yeah Oh. So it's a little bit. So we we, we tried to fashion, it. you know, bring that whole storyline into our world, um, and also tease tease because they haven't done National Treasure three yet, or they're still working on it. We're so we're teasing, you know, we te- we try to tease what's going on there, and oh. we do try to we do we we want to you know help. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so Sadesky dies right, and everybody's seen it. Spo- spoiler alert. But he does play his memory and stuff plays forward and and uh, um, I don't want to give too much away. But, but well, <laughs> we do have a question about that because obviously it was well advertised that Sadesky would be a part of this, um, and my jaw hit the floor <laughs> when his untimely death, the untimely death of Agent Sadusky happens in the first episode. I did not see that coming. I don't know about you, Em, um, but it does seem like his character will be very present in the rest of the series, even if he's not physically there or alive for it. So I've got to ask, how did you arrive at the decision to kill off Agent Sadusky? We didn't want to. But I think all we could afford was one episode. <laughs> and, and we also, because we're a TV show and it's 10 episodes long, you needed another something else to be going on um, while while the treasure hunt's going on. So we did so we create we created a very juicy murder plot mm. that our new agent Sadesky, which is Agent Ross. Mm-hmm. Takes the, she's representative of that character in the show she gets uh she's got the you know she's the plucky whatever new girl and she she's smarter than anybody gives her credit for and she gets on the hunt of like what really happened here and it's all intertwined with the treasure hunt so it gave us something juicy to have a subplot that's why we did it we, we love that. harvey though 
So I'll be honest with you. This was something that really shocked me because as anyone who listens to our podcast knows, I have very complicated feelings about Agent Sadesky. They are not always positive. I'll be frank. And so everyone thought, everyone being Emily, because no one else has seen this at the time we're recording this, as the time people are listening, they'll have seen it. Um, But I think Emily thought I was going to be very pleased by uh agent Sadesky disappearing and i, I was, did i was distraught it's like no. you don't know what you've loved until you've lost it yeah that's i it. think is the lesson for you a hundred percent that is so sweet um kind of along the lines of questions that i feel like are probably a little less uh tricky uh to answer in terms of what you are and aren't allowed to say um it well maybe not actually now that i'm thinking about it in what ways will uh the main character of jess right played by the wonderful lizette uh Oliveira, remind viewers of ben uh because we know that you know she has a likely belief at least in the premiere in the first two episodes that ben's actions to steal the declaration of independence were ultimately like criminal um, so why was it kind of important for you to place these two kind of main characters in this franchise at kind of opposing ends of this ethical spectrum? Well, ben, I would and- say, yeah, no, let's go ahead and say it. Both of them are, both of them are like probably a, not crime, like they're not criminal, neither one is. A- yeah, Ben, Ben is doing it for his family and same with Jess it's all about family for her and um as you saw in the first episode she's been told one thing about her father her whole life and she's confused and I think you see at the end of the second episode even a bigger thing about her family um did Ben ever want to be a criminal? No, but he felt completely responsible that Ian was going to steal the Declaration of Independence because he led this guy right to it. And so no one would believe him. And so he had to do the one thing uh, that was against anything, everything he believed in, he had to steal the Declaration of Independence. Marianne and I always felt like that was Ben's big arc is when he steals the Declaration of Independence. It gets, th- there is an arc that gets thrown in at the end when he learns to bluff, <laughs> but that's not really. His big arc that's was not, earlier. You know, his big arc was was earlier. What, did, what does it take to really be a hero? Well, you got to do something like this mm. and to save your family. How far will you go? And I think both of them will go to the same lengths uh, to save their family. Yeah, it's the family she doesn't even know. Like to fi- hers is more like to figure out who she is. Which right. is a which is is a little bit different from Ben. Like mm-hmm. we gave that because when we first came up with the idea for the show, Cormac always says it's like a because uh it's like a twenty three and me for the country. Like it's a twenty three and me for her, but it's also a twenty three and me for the country. Like where did we all come from? How did our yeah we know about the founding fathers, but what about all the other the Spanish and the and the Latin ex countries and and the indigenous people who were here before everybody. Yeah. Um, that we wanted to tell that story which is very different than the story that ben gates gets to tell um so um that is where we're on opposite ends of the spectrum because you could you could imagine that the gates family probably arrived on the mayflower um they've been around for a long time (laughs) they were there during you know signing the declaration of independence and all that sort of stuff but 
Jess just came over. She's just here. So that's where they're opposite ends of the spectrum, but they're going to meet. We're going to see that they would do the same thing, meet in the middle. Yeah. When we were trying to come up with the idea for the series, originally we were like, let's do a spinoff with Jen Gates, the niece of, you know, you know, we were going to do that story and then, and then, or Riley's, you know, something with Riley. And then Cormac was just like, um, he goes, God, I just have this visual of a, of a, um, Mexican girl on a bus trying to study for her citizenship who loves history like Ben Gates, but because she loves it because she's studying for her test. And, and, uh -huh. and once he said that out loud, I was like, I kind of got chills and I was like, we have to do that story. We have to do that version of a person that's here that doesn't that's that loves history probably more than the people who were born here you know mm -hmm. oh that's amazing actually by any chance are you familiar with the gates family mystery series it's a no, couple of only books because of you guys only because of you guys i'm like i think <laughs> gotta read these things <laughs> how many are there there's four apparently there were originally going to be six but there are four that went to print we if you'd like you can you can listen to us recap them on our podcast right um on. but it was really cool because um it sounds like even the author who wrote those books for disney press her name's katherine hapka she everyone involved with this series uh, this franchise at this point really understands the the crux of family being the key because that is super prevalent in those books as well. Mm -hmm. We also learn in those books that fun fact, Ben and Riley's ancestors knew each other. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, <laughs> very cute. We love it. That's very fun. <laughs> so anyway, off the books, yeah. um, back to the series. We do learn in the premiere's opening moments, really, that the treasure in question this time around is Montezuma's lost treasure. That how did you go about selecting the target treasure for the series? I mean, it's pretty interesting, especially in the context of you saying that you were sort of responsible for the Templar treasure aspect in the first movie. And now you got to kind of pick which treasure we're going after here. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear how you came up with that idea. But I'm also curious how you think this particular treasure compares, whether monetarily or culturally or historically, with the Templar treasure or Cibola from the films. First of all, it's, we say Montezuma in the first episode, but it's much, much more. Okay. That's the tip the, the, yeah. of the iceberg. It's okay. hard. It's hard to explain why we chose that treasure because we have to give away a, a key, a key historical historical figure. figure oh, okay. Yeah. So because like when we did the first one, it thematically we were like, oh, Knights of the Templar treasure, trying to keep that treasure away from royalty, revolutionary war. We we're thinking along those the theme, lines, the theme. a theme of like what Ben Tyr had to do Tyranny. by stealing it, the declaration you had to be. It, it was all around the Revolutionary War. And in the second one, it was all around the Civil, the civil War. That's why we broke and up Ben why, and Ben and That's why we broke them like up families at the beginning. Are broken. Families are broken up. And, and we were going after something that the Confederates were going after. Now, why we ended up with Cibola? Well, we were sitting in a room with Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio for like two weeks trying to come up with an idea for the second movie. And those guys did a movie called Road to El Dorado. And so they kind of have City of Gold on the brain. And so I was like, okay, well then that's a treasure. Let's do it. Um, and let's put it under Mount Rushmore. 
everything's believable. <laughs> That's so funny. They wouldn't let us do that on the show, I don't think. They would <laughs> yeah, everything we had so many experts, you guys. We had the Smithsonian gave us an expert. We had so many experts. We like to say we were we in the movies, we were breaking into the Smithsonian. In the in our TV show, the Smithsonian's giving us notes. <laughs> that's that's actually great because my next question was going to be about kind of what your strategy was for incorporating history into the plot, and if it was different or the same from that of the movies. It sounds like it was slightly different in that on the on the television series, you you had a ton of experts right. kind of contributing. Yes. We yeah. could really shoot from the hip in the movies and we could really have fun. We could go, oh yeah, sign the two good letters. Oh yeah, Mershian Pipe, here we go. Um, you know, uh, like she's saying, Ben Franklin glasses, all the stuff that we could just leave, the Resolute Desk. We didn't have an expert go, well, you can't put lemon juice on the back of the Oh my desk. gosh, but I got so roasted on we, Twitter. So we didn't have any of that. <laughs> but in this, everything we did was like an under a microscope by experts which so, is a good thing don't don't get us wrong it's a good thing because did we, you hear it in my voice that it was a little harder <laughs> just a tad, like, a tad. like we just get to make stuff up in the movies why, do we, why does everything have to be so, so there's a lot of accuracy but there's a lot of made-up stuff there is a lot of made-up stuff but it wasn't very important for us to figure out the historical character like who that's a Cormac says who, who hid the treasure why they hid it how you know and why, why you're going after and why you're going after more important really than what the treasure actually is mm -hmm. uh, that that was that was the key that the templars hit it because they were trying to know one man the tyranny of it of being that rich um so that's that's where we started on this one we said we came up with a historical figure that was very interesting and controversial it kind of um it kind of benedict arnold kind of the character and uh, built the story around that Cool. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So now I do want to get into a, maybe a little bit deeper of a question that sort of relates back to what you said the crux of National Treasure is all about. So I think viewers of the films have really taken to heart the fact that National Treasure inspires a belief in doing the right thing, no matter the personal cost. And so I want to know if Edge of History becomes the same sort of cultural phenomenon such that we're still referencing it in daily life nearly 20 years later, <laughs> what do you hope that its everlasting sentiment or take-home message will be? Oh, God, it's such a hard... I mean, because we never thought that the, fir the first movie would have that, you know, in it, you know, that would resonate like that. Um, really all we're trying to do is entertain and educate a little bit but mostly entertain um, we just want to be you know fun and and funny and have a lot of heart um, but I guess um, your your family history uh, like Comrex is always says a lot of people don't know what their grandmother's great-grandmother's name is like maiden name they don't know their their great-grandparents you kind of names you know people don't really go but they, you know you reach a certain age and you go where did i come, come from? from who who are my relatives what you know because you it defines who you are and so that's what we were looking for for jess and what we want audiences to everyone to kind of go hey yeah i have i have a family tree out there somewhere and and uh, maybe I should look into it and see where, you know, and that, that's what we want, but that, that, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, that's where we originally started because Carmack's 
dad was an Irish, um, he was never an American citizen. He was an Irish immigrant with a green card his whole life. And so that story was interesting to us. And then my uh, great, great, four times great grandmother was the um, Mexican mother of Arizona. Um, she actually was like one of the first, she came here with her 14 children or whatever she had. All women, I think, except for one man who who um, died. And so she was this rancher. She was a rancher and she she became this very established um, person. And I just thought, okay, this the people coming to America, um, where we came from, is just it really inspired us. So I think, I don't know that, that for us, that's what the show is kind of about. Like we said, 23andMe, um, you get, you know, for the, for the country, but also for yourself. Hmm. I love that. I I think that's that's really nice to nice to hear, and it's I think a unique a unique take from maybe what people you know took away from the the films themselves, and hopefully something that you know people can take away from the series. Um, kind of speaking about the series, I recognize that this might be a slightly difficult question to answer, um, which is fine if it is, um, but. What can you tell us about the hopes or intentions for a season two of Edge of History? And how, if at all, would you envision kind of the series story or characters feeding into or like influencing the potential National Treasure 3 that we've mentioned a few times? Well, knock on wood, we get a season two. We won't find out until... February at the earliest I guess that's when they get numbers in to see how we're doing um but uh we're always trying to keep the universe tied into three um so it's you know uh we can't say much about that but whatever you know they want us to do we'll do for them you know the two departments you know they they work in the same office so um so uh we can we can do that we tried to do that in 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 this in the show that in the season one as well we have it we have a in um justin bartha's episode we do a little tease um but but it's really hard to say we just we, you look whatever we can mine in american history um and international history um we do like branching we want to branch out too and you know we would love to branch out if we could um that would be a tease i guess would be something like that but you know um like we did the we did founding fathers uh northeast we we're doing more of the south for the show um and then for if we ever get to go on there you know we would try to move to other places in the united states yeah um, but we can't say much because we guess we can't yeah, we don't we don't we don't know what they're thinking for three honestly i don't know if they're trying to find page 47 um no they are oh they're, are they? they they are yeah no okay. they definitely are thank okay. god yeah yeah uh, <laughs> big like, cliffhanger if not if you guys don't find page 47 uh we'll do it in the show so just make sure you find it <laughs> <laughs> we got it we got it that's the one question we get asked yeah all the time of course that's why you guys have the t-shirt it's like it's an it's so fun um ask me what's on page 47 it's like i was standing on the set the first day and somebody was cameraman came up to me or a sound guy came up to me and he said so i got he was really nervous it was really cute so i gotta ask 
so what's on page 47 and I was like I can't tell you I don't, I don't know I can't you know it's like it's gonna be in three it's anything you want <laughs> yeah well we, we have so much fun when people when we wear those shirts and people ask us I give different answers to everyone I literally like and I tell them if you ask me again in 10 minutes I will give you another answer um but yeah so I mean for season two if y'all need any ideas or <laughs> if National Treasure <laughs> 3 needs any ideas you know Disney shooting our shot here we have so many ideas we'd be happy to share um, but that's that's amazing um so we're about time to start wrapping up here and so uh one thing that we like to do with our guests when they when they join us especially when they've been involved with the franchise in some way is we have what we call our classic national treasure hunt speed round it's a uh, very this or that you know top picks favorite things um so i'm gonna kind of throw some this or that style questions at you and you kind of give us the first thing that comes to your mind does that sound cool Mm-hmm. Okay. If you could play the role of any character in National Treasure or Edge of History, who would you pick? I guess Jess, because she's I'm Mex Mexican and I have Mexican roots. I, I'm not an actress though, so that it immediately terrifies me when you <laughs> ask that question. I immediately just go blank. Cormac, what's your answer? I I guess I would, if I want to be cool, I'd be Ian Hell. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. That is such a good answer. I don't think anyone's given us that answer before either. So that's fun. Okay. Question two. Your favorite quote or scene from either the movies or I guess the series that we've seen so far. Uh do you want to Cormac, you can do you can do the one that you said to me, drawn. John and Porter. Well, I know that was that was yours. Yeah. Yeah, Cormac said, No, no, don't. No, that was yeah, yours. Yeah. Mine was a different one. Okay, yours, is, mine is. I love that line, and I we I didn't we didn't write it so I can say it. Um, it, it the line about the president is honorable, whatever, and then the president says to Benson too. The president says, you know, Gates. People don't think that anymore about the presidency, and then and Ben says no, but they they want to believe. They want to believe. That president is on and all I, I just thought that speaks to some so much um you know again old-fashioned which i love um but the one that cormac loves and it, it it's in one it's the it, and it's also because uh nicholas cage delivers it so well oh, yeah we wrote the line but it we never imagined it to be as good as it is when ben gates says it and it's gonna be drawn in court yeah and, and trails burn and all that <laughs> I, oh I, yeah yeah, I, you guys could probably say it better than we can about it <laughs> quoting ourselves. We don't want to admit to that, but you know, um, no quick, quick segue there. Um, we've done an exercise on the podcast before where we've tried to say like, if we had to recast all of the original characters, like oh who gosh. else, who else could we envision playing these roles? Ben, without a doubt, was the one that we literally could not think of anyone else in that role. No, you can't. It's it's weird, right? Yeah. It's like it's like try to imagine Owen Wilson, Ben Affleck, one of the Chris Chris's, Chris mm -hmm. Pine. Like like I can't. I it can't. would change the character so much, right? Like and and some of the lines that become so poignant wouldn't come across as poignant anymore. And other ones that you can that are silly but you can get away with, you wouldn't be able to get away with them anymore, right? Like anyway, um, okay. Question three, 
what has been your favorite filming destination? Uh, since we're afraid to fly when these movies were being made, we didn't really go to locations, but we did get to go to the sets that were built here in Los Angeles. Like the National Archives set was amazing. The, um, the, uh, this, the caves in, uh, under Mount Rushmore, spoiler alert, uh, for two, if you haven't seen it, um, those were in LA. And then, um, uh, so the, those would be my favorite because you, you know you go in and it's like it's like being at Disneyland. Yeah, you know? and we did that here in uh, in and when we were shooting in Baton Rouge too. We got to build a a, a landmark there oh, that nice. was actually there, but we got to build it there, and it was really interesting, fun to walk in, and it felt like. In fact, the people there in Baton Rouge said, "Can we keep this here for a while for a tourist destination?" It was really cute. That's cool. <laughs> um. Okay. What is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator? <laughs> I can't tell you how, how dinged I got on Twitter for that. Like we historians at the movies is how I met a bunch of people on Twitter. And they were so nice though. Cause it was historians watching. There was a live, it was a live pot, whatever Twitter thing. And it was a long, a long time ago. It was their first one. They picked national treasure. And when they got to the lemons, man, boy, they were like, they wanted to strangle us. And we were like, sorry, we didn't know. Now we know we would never do it. Sorry, that was like a old like secret agent kit when you're like 10 years old or, mm. you know, you'd get it on the, watch the cartoon and yeah, you get this lemon. But yeah, how lemon funny juice. that Patrick had a bowl of them or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> must have yeah, a lemon you, tree. You have probably five in the refrigerator right now. I know, but. There you go. <laughs> we'll take it we'll take it okay well what is one word that you would use to describe agent Sadusky? secretive he does have lots of secrets we As love we a good secret i like that in this show <laughs> okay what is your favorite conspiracy theory in riley's book Boy, did we read it? I, I really love, you know, well, it's, you know, he talks about Area 51, the Watergate tapes, the, yes, um, but, but I would say I, I still, I mean, uh, Area 51, I would love to work Area 51 into a storyline at some point, just because nobody knows what it is. Like, mm -hmm. we, have, we have suspicions, but um, what's your guys' favorite? Because you guys do it. A lot, a lot. You guys know it a lot. But you guys know the movies even better than we do now. Like, <laughs> honestly, you guys can quote things better than we can. So, yeah, what's your favorite conspiracy? Mine is the JFK assassination. Mm, yeah. Mine is actually the one that ends up being used in the movie, the whole President's Secret book, because I, I work in Washington, D.C., so it feels very close to home for me <laughs> yeah that's that was a that was i don't know it's hard to top that one right yeah. that's it that was such a good idea i think that was terry that's rocio scary. came in with that idea he was like everyone believes that you have this and i was like yeah i guess we all do i guess we all do believe that when you get to be president you get to you get it's to know all the secrets, secrets. And, you know, we've talked to the Library of Congress on multiple occasions, and they still get asked on a weekly basis, where's the Book of Secrets? Just so you all know, that's the kind of impact you've had. <laughs> very cool. That's very cool. Um, okay. Last speed round question before we, we wrap up. Obviously, Edge of History is the latest installment in the National Treasure franchise, but recognizing that it is citing a lot of the original source material, we were wondering if you had to pick National Treasure or Book of Secrets? 
would have to be for me now, the first national treasure. I, I just, I, I, yeah, I, this first national treasure. I think that uh, I was surprised that people liked the second one as much as they liked the first one. We talked to, to people like at Comic Con. Like, mm. really? oh, what about you guys? Which is your favorite? For me, it's the first one. Yeah, yeah. the fir- the first one all the way, and that that is the answer we tend to get on this question yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, sequels are hard. It's not like asking like if you asked us what's our favorite alien or aliens, you could get two different answers. I would say aliens, and he would say alien. Mm-hmm. Like legit, like the sequel is for me better than the first movie. Se- but sequels are hard. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ad hoc uh, or ad lib one more speed round question, which is when you get a season two because we're pulling for it, can we come visit you on set? Yeah, I mean, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Now that COVID's, uh, yeah, all the COVID, like COVID, really kept us from doing anything like that in season mm-hmm. one. Like we couldn't. We were tested three times a week. We couldn't have visitors. Um, it, it was intense. And now that's all. Well, we're- here's a, a fun fact. I actually like applied to be an extra and I got a call, but I didn't do it because they needed me like the next day and I'm in DC. Oh, darn it. Yeah. yeah but sure. I was like, I just have to apply because I have oh, to, yeah. right? Yeah, extras, so. And extras can happen. Um, that That's actually something that can be, that can be done. Oh, um, cool. If you ever yeah, we had a, a writer, one of the writers, a writer of episode 108, um, Dwayne um, Worrell, and he wanted to be an extra and um, in, in one of the episodes. So we 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 made that happen. That's he, amazing. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to see him in the background of his we would do that in a literal heartbeat. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like I said, we could talk to you all day, but we do have to give you back to your busy lives. So I have one last question for you. Uh, as you know, we have cultivated a really amazing community of National Treasure fans through our podcast, our tour, etc. And um, it's so special to be able to bring this conversation to them on this episode. What is one message that you have for those National Treasure fans listening in to this conversation? Thanks for watching. Oh my God. I <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I just like we didn't know, like we we didn't know that the fan base existed. We didn't know that there was a place in people's hearts for for this this character, um, the story. Yeah, I, I again, it's just John Turtletop. It's like we're fans of his, and we're so and Jerry. We're all fans of the show, and Jerry, and you're we're fans of those guys, and they made this movie. So we're fans of it. Yeah, we we are we are we're fans. I mean, we it's it's like we can't watch much of our stuff. Like, really, <laughs> if something comes on, it's like, oh, turn it off. Um, but when National Treasure comes on, it's like it's hard for even for us to to turn off. You know, there's all the all the little things you notice. You know, um, anyway. So we're we're there. Well, that's certainly something <laughs> we all have in common. Thank you both so much again for joining us here on National Treasure Hunt, and we yes, can't thank wait. You. We can't wait to see the rest of the season. I'm telling you my favorite episode to date amazing it just just pure amazing dreams coming true all over the place Uh, I hope you can hear the joy in our voices as we kind of come off the end of that interview I know I said my jaw was on the floor when I was watching the edge of history premiere 
but my jaw was also on the floor like every other second during that whole conversation with Marianne (laughs) and Cormac (laughs) it was just yeah it was mind-blowing I mean I say it literally every time we do we do not think there is more that we can uncover about these films that we do not already know and they gave us insight not only into the series but also into the national treasure films as well so it's just an absolutely incredible opportunity oh for sure um i mean it's so hard to pick a favorite moment from that conversation can you can you even try well you know me i'm a quotes person you don't so say. I, <laughs> I think my favorite moment would have to be how the Wiverleys themselves were responsible for one of our favorite lines in the first film, wherein Ben Gates is speaking about uh, treason and very <laughs> loudly yells, had their entrails cut out and burned. Uh, at, at, at the National Archives Gala. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, hearing that they were responsible for that, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that was pretty epic. Um, I don't know, man. There were so many interesting tidbits and facts about the movies and the show, but I don't know. Is it weird that one of my favorite parts of that whole conversation was just even more recognition or acknowledgement of how supportive Marianne has been of National Treasure Hunt since we started. You know, she referenced our page 47 shirts on our merch store and, you know, they only know about the Gates family mystery series and stuff like that because of us and our, our podcast and our social media. Like that really, that really touched my heart, not to be dramatic or anything. <laughs> yeah. And talk about validation. I oh. mean... That's a really good point. Validation is the right word there. Um, so honestly, to the Wibberleys, once again, a sincere thank you for not only that ongoing support, but also for joining us here on the National Treasure Hunt podcast. And also thank you for all of the amazing contributions and work you've done for this franchise, without which we literally wouldn't be doing all of this cool stuff. Um, so... With that said, y'all, go check out National Treasure Edge of History, now streaming on Disney+. Plus. I'm hoping slash thinking most of you probably watched the premiere before listening to this episode. But even if you didn't, I hope that this episode gets you excited about what is to come um, for the rest of season one of this show. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a great time, which you know that we will be around to talk about. We will be talking about it in a variety of places, um, but kind of the hub for all of that information for us will be finding us on our social media uh, on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. And please don't forget to pre-order our book. Absolutely. And stick around because we might even have one last bit of podcast content for you this off season. 
before we dive into National Treasure Hunt Season 6, it's coming in just a few weeks. National Treasure Hunt Season 6 will begin airing in January 2023, and we can't wait to bring all of that new content your way. But hey, until then, I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our National Treasure Hunt. (laughs) 